Many years ago, I was handling the marketing affairs for a small group of banks. While working with the bank's president, I was informed that the president's executive secretary, Angie, was dying of cancer. I assumed Angie was a churchgoer, and I was right, but never confused church attendance as being synonymous with knowing God's plan of salvation. I recognized the urgency of this matter. Angie's eternal soul might be at stake. In a conversation with her, I inquired whether she knew of God's plan of salvation. Angie informed me that she did and cut off further attempts at conversation. Though I was disappointed, I did not press the issue. A couple of nights later, the phone rang at my home. Angie was on the line. She apologized for disturbing me at home, but I thanked her for calling and told her that our conversation would be the most important thing I did that day. Angie reminded me of our earlier conversation at the bank when she had stated that she knew God's plan of salvation. The fact of the matter was, however, that she did not. In conversations with churchgoers over the years, I've been shocked by how many do not know God's plan of salvation. Do you? If I asked you the same question that I asked Angie, what would be your response? I once asked a university professor of sociology who was discussing how to get to heaven whether he would accept Jesus Christ as an authority on the matter. Of course, he acquiesced. I respectfully explained that the two answers his class had previously given written on the blackboard were incorrect because John 3.3 gives a most definitive and different answer. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's very simple. You must be born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. This happens when one repents of his sins, believing upon the saving blood of Jesus Christ, confessing with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, and departs from iniquity, 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Angie didn't know the plan either. I explained it to her, and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. She was born a second time. She was even baptized with the Holy Ghost, just as they were on the day of Pentecost, right on the phone. I also prayed for God's miraculous healing hand, but that request was not answered on this side of heaven, though answered it surely was. Angie was full of joy and peace and made a powerful confession of salvation. Are you ready to do what Angie did? Will today be your day of salvation, your day of joy and peace? Answer yes. Click on the Further with Jesus right now for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, John 10, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. God said, Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. 
Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. God said, Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Man said, The great halls of education and science, that's where I'll find my God. If I don't know the answer, I'll just ask my phone. Now the record. Everywhere you look, Satan is hiding in plain view. He has woven his spider's web throughout every aspect of society, ubiquitousness multiplied. In the vast majority of academia's curriculum today, the God of the Bible has openly been replaced with the God of evolution. Make no mistake about it. Evolution is their God, confessions of faith and all. As the Bible answers life's hard questions and gives needed direction and counsel, so does evolution, albeit the epitome of ugliness. The Bible explains where we came from. We were created in the glorious image of God just over 6,000 years ago. Evolution answers that everything you see exploded out of nothing about 14 billion years ago, and that life then evolved from some primordial slime, some even asserting that man's beginnings were augmented as a result of an abundance of amoeba dung. God's Word tells us of our purpose, for we were created to harmonize and glorify God, and since the fall of man, to reconcile unto God the lost sons of Adam. Evolution declares that mankind has no purpose, but are just accidents that happen from time to time. Where are we going? The Bible says that the born again will live forever in God's new heaven and new earth. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Evolution's answer to where are we going? When you are dead, you're dead. That's all there is. But unfortunately, God says the end of the ungodly is not oblivion, but rather everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, verse 46. Satan is hiding in plain view. Last week, the Hadean Eon was mentioned. According to evolutionists, the Hadean period is the name given to Earth's first period of time, 
which takes its name from Hades. Hades is the Greek god of the underworld from which hell has its root, a place prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. This name was chosen by evolutionists due to the purported hellish conditions of earth's beginning, a stark contrast to God's very good earth and its paradise. Everywhere you look, Satan is hiding in plain view, and he always seeks another way. Any way is acceptable, as long as it's not God's way. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God establishes two biological laws of life. One, a man and a woman, not a man and a man. And two, the marriage of the man and the woman, and not same-sex marriage. Yet Satan seeks another way and flaunts his blasphemies in plain view. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a marriage that a king made for his son. This curious account occurs in verses 11 through 14. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. One guest had no wedding garment. Revelation describes it in chapter 19, verses 6 through, six through 9. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. The first time the word righteousness is used in the word of God is in Genesis fifteen six, and pertains to Abraham. And he believed in the Lord... And he counted it to him for righteousness. Righteousness is the actions that are the results of faith. The guest without the wedding garment seeks entrance into the kingdom of God another way. Jesus addresses this spirit in John 10, 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. All that pertains to mankind is bookended by two marriages, and God officiates at both, the first in the garden and the last celebrated at the marriage supper of the Lamb. What counts is what we personally do between these two marriages. Last week's feature addressed man's mad quest to regain the immortality that was lost in the Garden of Eden due to unbelief and disobedience. Carnal man is frantically trying to get it back, yet still remain in his unbelief and disobedience, always seeking another way and always failing. Daniel 12.4 reveals some of the hallmarks of an impending doomsday. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge shall be increased. 
a worldly knowledge devoid of the holy God of the Bible abounds today, and it is multiplying at a breakneck pace. Man's science seeks to create the superhuman, and one free from all the deadly results of rebellion against God without making peace. He is seeking another way, yes, even immortality, yet the end thereof is destruction. Romans 8.22 depicts the world's present condition, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. This condition ends when it all ends. Multiple techniques are pushing forward today to create the superhuman of tomorrow. Several excerpts from prophecy author Thomas Horn's book, Zenith 2016, follow. Quote, By responsible use of science, technology, and other rational means, we shall eventually manage to become post-human. Professor Nick Bostrom. Quote, we can devise ways of at least trying to manage the enormous powers of nanotechnology, but superintelligence by its nature cannot be controlled. The nanorobotic revolution will force us to reconsider the very definition of human, Ray Kurzweil. Quote, the spirit one discerns in pondering the ruminations of the transhumanists causes one to conclude that what these thinkers propose is developmental progressing towards something along the lines of the Borg from Star Trek or the Cybermen or Daleks from Doctor Who, Frederick M. Beacons, end of quote. A partial list of technologies listed by Horn designed to create the superhuman follow. Nanotechnology and cybernetics. Nanotechnology, the science of engineering materials or devices on an atomic and molecular scale between 1 to 100 nanometers, a nanometer is one billionth of a meter, in size is poised to take the development between brain-machine interfaces and cybernetic devices to a whole new adaptive level for human modification. This will happen because, as Dr. C. Christopher Hook points out, engineering or manipulating matter and life at nanometer scale foresees that the structures of our bodies and our current tools could be significantly altered. In recent years, many governments around the world, including the United States with its National Nanotechnology Initiative, and scores of academic centers and corporations have committed increasing support for developing nanotechnology programs. The military, which has a significant interest in nanotechnology, has created the Center for Soldier Nanotechnologies, which is interested in the use of such technology to help create the seamless interface of electronic devices with the human nervous system engineering the cyborg so a soldier. Transhuman eugenics. In the early part of the 20th century, the study and practice of selective human breeding known as eugenics sought to counter dysgenic aspects within the human gene pool and to improve overall human genetic qualities. Researchers in the United States, Britain, Canada, and Germany were under Adolf Hitler. Eugenics operated under the banner of racial hygiene and allowed Joseph Mengele, uh, Otmar von Verschauer, and others to perform horrific experiments on live human beings in concentration camps to test their genetic theories, were interested in weeding out inferior human bloodlines and used studies to insinuate 
heritability between certain families and illnesses such as schizophrenia, blindness, deafness, dwarfism, bipolar disorder, and depression. Transhumanist goals of using biotechnology, nanotechnology, mind interfacing, and related sciences to create a superior man and thus classifications of persons, the enhanced and the unenhanced, opens the door for a new form of eugenics and social Darwinism. Germline Genetic Engineering Germline genetic engineering has the potential to actually achieve the goals of the early eugenics movement, which sought to create superior humans via improving genetics through selective breeding, through genetically modifying human genes and very early embryos, sperm, and eggs. As a result, germline engineering is considered by some conservative bioethicists to be the most dangerous of human enhancement technology as it has the power to truly reassemble the very nature of humanity into post-human, altering an embryo's every cell and leading to inheritable modifications extending to all succeeding generations. Debate over germline engineering is therefore most critical because as changes to downline genetic offspring are set in motion, the nature and physical makeup of mankind will be altered with no hope of reversal, thereby permanently reshaping humanity's future. A respected proponent of germline technology is Dr. Gregory Stock, who, like cybergist, Kevin Warwick departs from Kurzweil's version of Humans 2.0, first arriving as a result of computer singularity. Stock believes man can choose to transcend existing biological limitations in the nearer future, or at or before computers reach strong artificial intelligence through germline engineering. If we can make a better human by adding new genes to their DNA, he asked, why shouldn't we? We have spent billions to unravel our biology, not out of idle curiosity, but in the hope of bettering our lives. We are not about to turn away from this, he says, before admitting elsewhere that this could lead to clusters of genetically enhanced superhumans who will dominate, if not enslave us. The titles to Stock's books speak for themselves concerning what germline engineering would do to the human race. The name of one is Redesigning Humans, Our Inevitable Genetic Future, and another is Metaman, The Merging of Humans and Machines into a Global Superorganism. Finally, Horn writes, Besides the short list above, additional areas where readers may wish to become well advised on the pros and cons of enhancement technology include immortalism, postgenderism, Augmented reality, cryonics, designer babies, neurohacking, mind uploading, neural implants, xenotransplantation, repro, uh, reprogenetics, rejuvenation, radical life extension, and more. While positive advances either already have been or will come from some of the science and technology fields we have discussed, learned men like Professor Francis Fukuyama. In his book, Our Post-Human Future, Consequences of the Biotechnology Revolution, 
warned that unintended consequences resulting from what mankind has now set in motion represents the most dangerous time in Earth's history, a period when exotic exotic technology in the hands of transhumanist ambitions could forever alter what it means to be human. End of quote. Great innovations are dazzling. Unfortunately, Satan, the little G.O.D. of this world, soon dominates the field, and today's quest for the superhuman will be and already is no exception. A major sign of doomsday is that knowledge shall increase. We are there. Man continues to seek another way. God said, John 10, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. God said, Matthew 21, 1 through 14, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage." So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. God said, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Man said, The great halls of education and science, that's where I'll find my God, If I don't know the answer, I'll just ask my phone. Now you have the record.